This is the story of the disappearing, reappearing dog. It's a story where there was a magician's trick played on me, except the only problem was there was no magician, just the trick. Well, it happened in October or early November of uh, 2007 while I was living in Hawaii, on the big island in Hawaii. I lived in a place called Paradise Park. It was... Uh, like some sort of development where there was a lot of houses basically in the middle of nowhere uh, in this uh, uh, jungle-like area. Uh, it was a rainforest. All the houses were built on stilts, including mine. There was, you know, stilts you could actually walk underneath your house. There was a lot of, it rained a lot on this. There was a lot of, on this area, there was a lot of flooding and and whatnot. And, uh, and uh, I, I had a dog. I got a dog. I already had a, another dog and two cats, but there was a, a friend on, on the big island had had this dog. Uh, her name was Goldie. It was part Jack Russell Terrier and part something else that I don't know what. It, it didn't look like your normal uh, Jack Russell Terrier. Uh, it was taller. It was completely like a like a golden color. And of course, that's hence the name Goldie. And he asked if I wanted this dog, either either that or he was going to have to take it to the dog pound. And so I was like, yeah, okay, I'll you know I, I could use a friend for my for my other dog. I have who, who I still have, uh, Sophie, and um, she's a miniature Dachshund that I've had since uh, the mid two thousands. She's seventeen years old right now, and. Uh, so I took this dog, Goldie, and the only problem with Goldie was she was extremely wild. I mean, it was very, she was, she was young. Uh, she was grown, you know, she was a thin dog. She was grown. She, I, I don't know how much more she would have grown if she would have lived. I mean, that's another part of the story that I'll talk about later on. Um, but she was just, I, I had trouble trying to, uh, you know, teach her. It was just, you know, I had a job where I had, a, you know, I was gone. I was lived by myself in this in this house. I, so I had a job where I had to drive in into Hilo from this place, Paradise Park, and that was like a good half hour at least to to get back and forth. You know, just one way, and plus I would be gone all day long, you know, at my job, nine hours or whatever, ten hours, and then come back, and then you know, this dog by that point was was all wound up and ready to go, and it was really hard to control her. She was very wild. In fact, the one time I was taking Goldie and my other dog, Sophie, to uh, uh, this uh, rocky area near the near the ocean, near where I lived, uh, just to walk around on a weekend. And, and while I was driving, Goldie actually, I had the windows down. Goldie actually, I was only driving a couple of miles per hour at this point, but she jumped out the window at one point, you know. So, you know, I was... Uh, I was thinking about, you know, maybe finding someone that could help train her better than I could because I, I just didn't have the time. And this, this dog was very, very hard to control. But anyway, the one uh, Saturday, uh, late Saturday morning, around 1130 in the morning, I, you know, I had, I had to cut the grass uh, on my property. Now, you couldn't use a lawnmower here. You had to use a weed whacker. Basically, the, the, the ground was so uh, rugged that there was, you know, you'd ruin a, a lawnmower in a second. So everyone there, like in this, in this, who lived in this kind of an area, you had to use a, a weed whacker. There was a lot of rocks and it was very uh, rugged. Uh, so you had to cut these weeds out with the weed whacker. I mean, basically that's what it was like, you know, weeds and, and, and wild grass. And so you'd have to go all around, like, you know, a circular area around my property and cut that uh, with a weed whacker. So I, I didn't want to leave, uh, 
Goldie inside the house because, you know, it seemed like when I would leave her alone a lot of times, she, I mean, she'd tear the place up. So I brought her outside with me, and I didn't want her to run away, so I had this long chain. It was probably about a 25-foot long uh, chain for a dog. And uh, I clipped one end onto her collar, and the other end I wrapped around one of the stilts uh, that held the house up. You know, like, you know, and I and I clipped that, wrapped it around in a loop and then clipped that other end into one of the links. So she was, you know, you know, on this chain while I was outside. So I started cutting the grass and she's she's just going wild trying to pull away. She didn't like the sound of the thing. And I I actually turned to her at one point. I said, it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt you. It's OK. You know, and then I, you know, and she's just, you know, she couldn't stand it. So I I went under the porch. There was a couple or under, under the house. There were a couple of areas there that I needed to to hit. There was some uh, uh, grass growing under the porch, under the house. So I had to go under there and I'm, you know, I, I, I look at the dog. I go past the dog and I, I you know, I hit, you know, I hit with the weed whacker and I started you know, cutting the grass, like maybe 20 seconds later, I turn around and Goldie's gone. She's just disappeared. She's gone. So I figured, well, she must've just broke the chain. She must've been, you know, so upset over this weed whacker sound that she, you know, pulled on the, pulled on the thing hard enough and she broke the end of the chain and now she's gone. So I started, I, I stopped what I was doing and I'm looking all around, all around my property, looking for this dog and I can't, she's just not, I'm, you know, calling for her. She's not around. I'm looking in all, like all on the perimeter uh, of this property. There's this, like, again, there's this short jungle foliage uh, that just goes as far as the eye can see, like in all directions, except for the little road, that le- little dirt road that led into my property. So I'm looking all over the place, calling for the dog. I'm, 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 I'm going, you know, into that, uh, into that growth at the perimeter of the property. Just, you know, at all areas, looking down, calling for like. I mean, she wouldn't be able to get far in this if she if she did go in that, because I mean, it, it was so dense and thick, uh, like like with that chain on her, you know. Um, with, I mean, she disappeared and the chain disappeared with her. With that chain on her, there's no way she would have, especially with the chain on her, there's no way she could have got that far uh, into that foliage. But, I mean, and I looked in the perimeter just in case maybe she was there somewhere in the perimeter, and I'm calling for her. I'm looking at, looking down in this stuff, and I don't see her. She's just not there. So I go out, into the, out into the, uh, down the dirt road onto the other dirt road, and I'm looking both directions, calling for her. I, start, I walk up one way. I'm looking for her, calling for her. She's not I don't see her anywhere. I start walking in the, the other direction in the dirt road. You know, I, I'm basically looking for her for an hour. After a while, I mean, it was getting to the point where I got concerned that maybe she ran all the way, you know, out near where the highway was, which was a few miles away. Was she that scared that she ran that far away? And I, so I went to the uh, the local animal shelter. I actually got on my car and drove to the animal shelter and asked, you know, this was about an hour later after looking for her. And I went to this shelter and I asked the the people working there if anybody might have brought in this dog. I gave the description of the dog and I said, in the past hour, did anyone, you know, drop this dog off by chance? Maybe found her. Nope, nope, nope. So I leave there and I go back to the property and I'm still looking around for the dog and she's nowhere to be found. And I'm really very upset. I mean, and I'm again, I, I go all around the perimeter again, everywhere, calling for her. Two and a half hours. Of, she's missing now for about two and a half hours. I don't know where she is. I finally give up, and I sit on the steps that lead up to the only door that goes into my house. I sit on the steps, and I, I, I'm looking across at the perimeter, like at, at the, the foliage, the, the jungle, you know, at the edge of the, on the perimeter of the property. And all of a sudden there, she just rises up. She just stands up like she was laying there right in front of me all along. And she still has a chain on her. I'm like, oh, my God, thank God. 
it was surprising how how, how this went down. I mean, because I had just looked in this spot, spot like seven more seven times earlier. I just looked where she just stood up, and I had looked there seven times earlier. Now this is the part where uh, things are really strange because she comes out and that whole chain. She's still connected to the chain. The whole chain. She's dragging this long chain. Okay, and at the end of it, it's still connected. It's still the the, the end of that other chain. The opposite end is still in the loop. The loop is still connected to one of the links, and the loop is still there. Like, so I'm thinking, well, how did that happen? So the only thing I could think of was that, uh, you know, where I wrapped it around the the post that you know the, one of the stilts that I had wrapped it around. There must be like it must not be connected. There must be an opening there along along it. So so I inspected it as closely as I could, and I there was nothing there. It went into the ground, the concrete, and then I looked around the steps. Like maybe that maybe I didn't hook it up here. Maybe I'm not not remembering. Everywhere I looked, it, it, all all the all the posts, all the things that held all the all the wood, all the uh, posts that held the steps up, everything, everything went into the ground. There was no spaces anywhere. I don't know how that happened. So basically, it was almost as though she was snatched right in front of my eyes by some invisible force, and I don't know how that happened. And then two hours later, she returned. And again, you have to remember the, the, the way this dog acted. I mean, it was for her to just stay in one spot for two and a half hours, you know, across the house like that. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. I mean, the way she, she was always jumping around, out of control. So I don't I, there's no explanation for it. You know, it just was a very strange thing. It was almost it was like a ghost. I thought maybe that's what it was. In fact, when I first moved to Hawaii, there were a lot of stories you would hear you know, about night marchers, which were supposedly these ancient Hawaiians that uh, uh, the spirits of these ancient Hawaiians that would, you know, march around the island. And if you got in their way or, you know, you know, the, you know they'll, they'll, you, you'll die. There was all kinds of stories about ghosts. And, and that's what it seemed like. It seemed like a ghost had hidden the dog f from me for two and a half hours. And, and that's that's what I it felt like. Um. Or I thought maybe the other explanation was, was maybe there were extraterrestrials. Um, that somehow was something right there, and, and, and I, I just couldn't see it. And they and and it took the dog and 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 did something with it or hid it away from me, playing a trick on me, whatever. I don't know what the what the what the purpose of this was, but something took that dog. Something caused that dog to disappear and then bring it back later on, and it was just amazing. Now. Now, I, for years, I you know, this is one of these things where, again, like, I'm just not sure, like, what, was it a, I mean, I just don't know how to, I never was able to really put my finger on it. Was it a ghost or ghosts or spirits or, uh, you know, was it, were extraterrestrials there and they did something? I, and, you know, and uh, I, after re recently, in recent months, I was watching uh, Joe Rogan's, one of the Joe Rogan shows uh, from the last couple of years. And, uh on the, his guest uh, on this show, I was watching it on YouTube, and his guests were George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell, two uh, investigative uh, journalists who uh, are very interested in uh, UFOs and extraterrestrials, and they've, they've done a lot of work on this subject. And they were talking, you know, George Knapp was on, he was talking about uh, the Skinwalker Ranch, which, which you know, uh, was something I... I knew about, and I knew, I knew some things about it, but I, I never, I guess I never really heard in detail some of the things that were happening there. And there, were, there was a lot of poltergeist activity. This is a Skinwalker Ranch is this ranch in Utah. And, uh, you know, there was uh, a Sherman family, this husband and wife that were living there uh, back in 
1990, from 1994 to the uh, 1996, they owned this ranch and all kinds of weird things were happening to them while they were there. And, um, like they they had cattle mutilations, you know, animals would go missing and, uh, you know, there was UFOs all the time. They were seeing stuff. There, there was strange animals walking, you know, just showing up and then disappearing. I mean, it was just incredibly strange stuff. And in a lot of stuff, there were poltergeist uh, incidents as well. And they were talking about uh, all of that. And that they also talked about that they had a new documentary that at the time, I guess it just came out. It was Hunt for the Skinwalker, which which I it's on Netflix, uh, excuse me, on Amazon Prime, which I, I watched uh, twice already. And uh, the, the, the thing that happened to me when I was in Hawaii, with the way that dog disappeared, seemed to uh, be something similar to what happened to these people uh, at this ranch, Skinwalker Ranch, in the, in the mid-90s. And um, oh, these the the family it was uh, uh, Terry and Gwen Sherman when they were living there. One of the, one of the things that was happening was like poltergeist activities. In addition to you know finding a lot of their cattle dead and uh, you know mutilated, you know, and obviously apparently mutilated by uh, something using surgical equipment. Uh, and, you know, lots of UFO sightings, uh, you know. Incredible things that were going on. Actually, the the it was it was so incredible that a, a millionaire, uh, Robert Bigelow, ended up buying the property from them for two hundred thousand dollars, and he did two hundred uh, uh, did twenty years of research. He has a, a, a team on there. He created a an investigation investigation uh, investigative body to uh, look into these things to find out, try to figure out what it is. And after twenty years, he he still wasn't able to do it. Now another billionaire has. Uh, purchased the property and uh and and he's investigating it uh brandon fugel and it's a very mysterious place it seems to be one of the most mysterious places uh on the planet but anyway some of the things that they were talking about that happened there some of the poltergeist things that were, uh, uh that happened was um there was for once for instance the the one day uh they saw the, the, the they're going through all these problems with you know all these different occurrences and and they had these four bulls you know uh, you know fenced in with these uh, metal fence and uh they're they're going to a different part of the the ranch and they, and they both were concerned they looked at them, they they're like it looked at each other like we hope nothing ever happens to those four right and then an hour later when they come back the 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 the, uh, the four bulls are gone but then they find them, they're all like in a day, they find them in a daze inside this small little uh, metal uh, tool shed. Like, and, and then when, when they, when they uh, all of a sudden the bulls snap out of it and they, 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 you know, they go wild because they don't, all of a sudden they're, they, they realize they're all crammed together you know, side by side in this little shed. How did they get in there? Nobody knows. Uh, by this point, Robert Bigelow, uh, some of his investigators were there and they, the, the, the metal fence was completely magnetized. That's where these animals were, but they, they don't know how this happened. Like things like that happened. Like where uh, some entities or something was caused, took those four bulls and somehow uh, uh, put them in this little shed somehow. And it would have taken forever to, to do something like that. I mean, but it took like less than an hour. Like somehow they just showed up there. It took them four hours to get them back into the into the fenced in area, you know, into the corral where they were. So there were things like that happening. Sometimes objects would just 
disappear and then reappear somewhere else like something disappeared and would reappear in a tree like some tool a tool would you know just disappear and then they find it like a couple days later in a tree uh 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 terry sherman uh put a a collar on a, a flea collar on one of his dogs the the flea collar disappeared and then 24 hours later the flea collar was back on the dog again it was very strange things like that that were happening and that sounds like what happened to me that one instance that one that one time when I was on the big island in Hawaii, it was all, it was almost as though something just came there. Something was there. Some uh, intelligent force, some intelligent beings. I don't know what. And they took that dog. I don't know what they were doing, what the purpose was. Was it just to play a trick? I mean, was were they tricksters, like these tricksters that they talk about on the Skinwalker Ranch? Or was it uh, something else? I don't know, but I think it's more likely probably extraterrestrials. That's my I've come to the belief that that's what what their purpose in doing that was. I do not know. I mean, you know, I'm sure I will never know. All I can tell you is that it happened and there's no explanation for it. There's no explanation for why that, you know, how could the dog just there's no way. How could the dog pull itself away from the uh, you know, now had the had that loop not still been intact? Right. That would have been a different story. OK, it would have been like, oh, the dog actually, you know, was was scared enough that uh, of the sound of this weed whacker that uh, she pulled the pulled so hard on it that that the change, the end of the chain snapped. But it didn't. It was still like in the same loop that I had, you know, clipped it in earlier, you know, two and a half hours earlier. It's just, you know, beyond it, it defies explanation. And uh, I believe that something basically what, what 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 are the implications here the implication is that you know i believe these extraterrestrials they could do what anything they want whatever they want and you don't even know they're there they could be standing they could be in they, they could have uh there could be beings in the room with you right now and you wouldn't even know it i mean i turned around it was less than 30 seconds and i turned when i turned around the dog was there and i turned around 30 seconds later the dog was disappeared gone Okay, and then disappear, stay disappeared for two and a half hours. And then, like I said, all of a sudden there it rises up right in front of me, stands up, and it was all calm too. I mean, it was it walked out slowly, like like it did. The dog was like a little dazed at the time. That was that's another aspect of this story. The dog was like dazed, like it wasn't the wild. It's all old, old wild self here. It wasn't jumping up and down like a maniac, like it like it would. Now the the sad epilogue to this story is. Now, I got it was a it was the day before Thanksgiving, uh, two thousand seven, and that I got done work and I was gonna meet this girl for to go to a movie that I knew, and uh, I got done work. I had a long day, you know. I tried to try to get done as fast as I could, but I didn't. I was I got home. It was dusk, and I felt bad. She was in the house all day long. You know, this dog. You know, you know. Like I said, she was very wild. And I have to remember, I lived in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there was miles away from the highway, and she was doing. She was starting to. You know, by this point, she was doing somewhat better. Like she wasn't. She was calming down a little bit. She wasn't as wild. Like she was starting to listen to some of my commands. but uh, I, I felt bad for her because I got home and I had to hurry up and get ready and go right back out again because I, I, otherwise I would miss the beginning of the movie. So instead of leaving her stuck in the house while I was gone, I decided to uh, 
just let her out. Just let her, because I, I, I was starting to leave her out, you know, no chain, just let her walk around and, you know, run around and do what she wanted. And, and, and I'm, I'm leaving. I told her to stay. She last I saw her, she was sitting there, sitting there near the steps and she, she listened to me and I, I thought she did. And it was dark, but it was just, it was dark out now. So then I, I drove down the dirt road, drove all the way down this, you know, three or four miles or whatever it was down this dirt road, along this dirt road to the highway. And then I got on the highway and I'm driving on the highway for a little bit. And all of a sudden, my left ear, there was a loud, like a sound like that. It was, I never had it happen before or since. Sometimes your ears ring, right? But nothing like this. This was like screaming loud. I didn't know what to think of it. I mean, I was, it startled me. I was looking around like, what the heck? So anyway, I, you know, whatever. I, I, I forgot. I just let it go. And I, I went to the movie. We were going to see the mist. Uh, I, you know, I really wish I didn't go to see that movie that night. I mean, it was okay. And, you know, it's very unfortunate that I, you know, that this happened, but you know, when I got home that night, I thought she would still be hanging around the house, you know, but I could not find her. The The dog was gone. Uh, I, I'm calling for her all, you know, all the, I'm, I'm looking for her for again, here we go again. I'm looking for, you know, wondering where she's at driving around, you know, call, calling, calling out her name, you know, Goldie, you know, nothing. And then the next morning, uh, Melissa, this is the woman uh, who I, I went to the movies with the night before. I was going to go to her house for dinner and uh, for Thanksgiving dinner that, that day. And I told her, I, I said, I can't find the dog. I got to I got to look for the dog. It was pouring rain out. It was, you know, that that morning. And I was driving around. I went to the highway. I'm driving around the highway, driving up and down the highway. And then there I saw her. She she was laying aside the highway. She got hit by she got hit by a car and she was dead. It was very, very upsetting. I I. I I kicked myself to this day. I, I feel terrible that I, that I let her out. I, I felt bad for her, but you know, when I got home that the day before, but it was a mistake to let her out. I felt bad to leave her, you know, trap her back in the house again, the way she was. And I should have did it because if I did, if, if, if I would have put her in the house then she would have still been alive and she probably would have still been alive. Who knows? I mean, um, but it was very sad. And, and then that uh, Melissa, this, this woman I knew, she she had, she was living on this bigger property where where it wasn't as rugged and and you could you know, and she told me to come on over and and we'll, we'll bury bury her at that property. So that that's where I spent the Thanksgiving burying a dog in the in the morning and we ate and everything. But it was just a sad, terrible, terrible day when you lose a pet. Uh, even though I only had this dog for about two months, you know, still you know it was just a, you know, it was my fault. You know, I feel completely you know responsible. You know. I feel terrible about it still to this day when I think about it, but uh, going back to what happened, uh, that, that sound in my ear, um, what was that? I don't know. I, I think to me, you know, it, it, you know, the next day I'm thinking, well, is that what, uh, when I was driving to the highway, when I'm driving to the, I got onto the highway that I think what she did, she, she chased after my car all the way to the highway, which is something I never thought she would have did, but that's what she did. And then I'm driving along the highway and she gets hit by a car. Was that some sort of warning, like some sort of something telling me, Hey, your dog is in, is in trouble. Is that what that, that screaming sound was in my ear or your dog just got hit? Like there now, let me say something else about Hawaii, about the Big Island. You know, when I got there, uh, one of the things I noticed immediately was there was a lot of uh, what would you call? I would call it synchronicity. Synchronicity. Um, 
or you like there'd be you like this happens all the time like you know you know i mean this is i'm sure this happened to everybody where, where you're thinking about something and then uh and then somebody calls you up and they and they're and they you know they talk about the thing you were just thinking about that happens sometimes but when i went to when i first moved to hawaii i noticed this was happening like every single day it's almost like there was some kind of force on the big island that magnified this whatever this is like just for instance some. Um, for some reason, I, I, I'm thinking about The Shining, you know, the 1980 Shining movie. And then uh, a minute later, my brother uh, from from the mainland, from Pennsylvania, calls me up and says, yeah, we're talking for about a minute. He says, yeah, I watched The Shining again last night. So it was like that kind of stuff was happening, but it happened all the time. Where it's, and This has to be beyond coincidence. Was it that force that, that you know, was there some sort of telepathic force that's there that exists on the big island where, you know, that's more enhanced there than, than the rest of the world? Or uh, I don't know. Did that have something to do with it? Or when that dog disappeared, when Goldie disappeared for that two and a half hours, did uh, were there aliens doing something to her? Did they put an implant in her? It was, a, you know, and it's connected to me somehow. And that's, you know, I, I heard that that's what caused that noise. I don't know. I don't know, but something strange about the whole thing, you know, I, I don't know. I have no answers for, for any of these questions. I, you know, it's just very strange, but I do, I, you know, I, uh, uh, I would say about 75, 80%, uh, I believe that this was extraterrestrials, you know, caused her disappearance, whether that sound in my ear had something to do with that. I don't know. You know, I'd say, there's a good chance possibly i guess but then again there could have had could have had something to do with the synchronicity uh uh events that were occurring on a regular basis there that could have been that maybe just the way you were you felt connected you know it's just there's something going on beyond that what we 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 can see it's just obvious it's just obvious i mean there's no explanations for a lot of these things but there are things and and people are you know there's too many people out there you know I see them all over YouTube they spend way too much time trying to just debunk things and but some of these things there is no way you could debunk them I mean you could you could you could say somebody's lying or you know but that doesn't solve this you know you're still not proving anything that's just your opinion you're sitting back in a chair and you didn't maybe you didn't you never had an experience like like this and you're just you know pontificating you know because you don't want to believe it you know. But there's a lot of people out there who hear these kind of things and they they do believe there's something to them to it. I know, I know, you know, I know that there was something weird happened to that that day and you know in 2007 when that dog disappeared. Something strange was going on, and and the implication is, you know, these things could if, if it's extraterrestrial, that means they could, you know, they could be do they could do anything they want. I mean, they could make stuff disappear right before your eyes. Right. Basically, you know, I, I wonder what would have happened if I never turned my back for that, you know, 30 seconds or less. You know, I, I would have loved to see what hap would happen. But I, I guess they, they they anticipate these things and they don't let they don't let you see a lot of times what's going to happen or what does happen. Like it's almost as though they they have this, this whole thing figured out and they're just like they're, they're more than two steps ahead of ahead of us. They're like 20, 30, 40 steps ahead. I mean, they, they anticipate, they can anticipate any, everything that we're going to do. And they're, they're, they're very sly. They're just smarter than we are. If they're, if these are beings coming from other planets, so obviously they're smarter because we, 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 we are unable to do that ourselves right now. So I'm sure I will talk about this subject, this 
particular incident again in, in upcoming podcasts. Um, you know, there might be some aspects of this that I'm not thinking of right now that I forgot about. But uh, again, this is one of those things that's, you know, I of that there were three things in my life that were extremely strange. It was, of course, I, I talked about two of them in my previous podcast about the, the, the claw, alien claw hand, you know, when I was a kid that I could see the shadow through the blanket. And then, of course, there was the, you know, the nuts and bolts uh, UFO sighting back in August of 1994, which, you know, incredible, incredible event. And then there was this event, which is real, real head scratcher, real head scratcher. You know, the first two, I believe, you know, were definitely extraterrestrial. There's a part of this one where, where I would say, you know, there's a small percentage where maybe it was something else, you know. But, you know, I'm pretty, I'm mostly convinced that this was, this involved extraterrestrials too. Uh, I think there, there was something, what they were doing, why they did it, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, uh, I'm not sure. I don't know if I, I don't think I believe in night marchers. Um, but then again, what about those synchronicity issues? You know? Maybe it has something to do with that. Maybe maybe there is something. Maybe I'm being maybe I'm being uh, too skeptical of, of spirits and ghosts with with, with regard to the situation. Um, anyway, thank you for listening. Until next time, this is Jim Quirk.